First impressions aren't the most important thing. They're the only thing. At Ernie's Print Shop, we'll produce what you need to represent your company professionally. Right now, you can get 1,000 full-color business cards, 1,000 4x6 postcards, or a 3x5 banner for just $60. You choose. Check us out at Ernie'sPrintShop.com. Ernie's Print Shop. Over 50 years, one source, one solution. Ernie'sPrintShop.com. 502-969-8585. Being a victim of crime is no joke, but you do have options that can help you avoid becoming a victim. I'm Ed Springston of the My View Matters Radio Show, and on behalf of myself and co-host Ed Martin, I urge each of you to help us fight against crime. You can do your part by calling Crime Stoppers at 582 Clue. Since 1982, Crime Stoppers has helped get over 23,000 criminals off the street with your help. Working together, we can make a difference to take our streets back. Please call Crime Stoppers at 582-CLUE, or you can visit them online at www.582clue.com. Remember, Crime Stoppers always offers up to a $1,000 reward. Get involved and help make a positive change in your neighborhood. Thanks. Advertisers, here's a great way to reach a quality audience. Get heard on My View Matters and make some noise in the marketplace. Email myviewmatters at aol.com for advertising opportunities. Make a sound investment. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Ladies and gentlemen, yes, welcome once again to the Ed Sprinkson Show, brought to you by the MVM Radio Network, home of EdSprinkson.com. You can go for the latest stories, podcasts, whatever we've got going. While you are at EdSprinkson.com, I would ask that you please do a few things. First and foremost, like the thousands of people before you, please join the email newsletter. We'll send updates directly to your email inbox. If you can, also join the RSS feed. Thousands and thousands of you guys get the podcast delivered to you right now, so the rest of you need to as well. And finally, donate, donate, donate. Yes, we do have a handy-dandy donate button at edsprinkson.com. We do rely on you, so we'd appreciate any help you could give us. In the meantime, call in numbers as always, 858-683-1326. For those of you in the listening queue, make sure you hit the number one on your dial pad. We'll get you on there as soon as possible. Uh, you can also reach us in the live chat, which is now open, and you can reach me directly at Facebook at Ed Springston. For uh, you can go ahead and get a hold of me through Messenger. Uh, folks, I tell you, we've got a lot going on. Um, it, it's been a crazy, crazy few days, at least crazy week, anyway. Uh, but we start the week as usual, or at least most times, with Mr. Ed Martin. How are you, sir? Well, doing all right, Mr. Springston. You know, crazy week is all on that. Yeah, national and local and personal level, too. You're familiar with my dog, Brando, the big little dudes in the rich bag. Just a funny Absolutely. story. Absolutely. Fortunately, it turns out to be a funny story. Rhodesians are well, notorious for being garbage disposals. 
Yeah. He ate an entire bag of rat poison last night. <laughs> oh, my God. And he's alive? And he, he was looking at me after he finished it like, hey, Dad, it was pretty good. You got more. And I'm like, oh, hell. So I, we had to take him, you know, and I can't say enough about the people at the Blue Pearl Emergency Animal Hospital. They, uh, they gave him a shot, made him spit most of it back up. But yeah, <laughs> there's antidotes for the type of treatment. I'm telling you, I just like this this garbage disposal. He's eating. Wow. You know, so yeah, last night was a real stressful night for me. But you know, they came back because well, he threw up and there was a whole lot of orange in it. <laughs> well, there should have been. No doubt, but he's gonna be okay you, though, right? I was, I was. Oh yeah, he's fine. That's the that's the damnedest thing about it. it well, we got him there quick. Wow. You know, everybody well, yeah. like, yeah, one of the one of the things when we we talk about pets, we love our pets, and they were telling sure. me there, they said, yeah, you brought him here like 15 minutes after he ate it. You know, we'll get him to spit it up, and and you know, they should be okay. We'll give so, him some shots and okay. stuff. And but they said, yeah, they said, you know, most people don't realize that your pet's eating something like that for like two or three days after. He said, and that's when it's bad. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. So Unbelievable. I was making a joke. He probably gets together. He gets together with his dog friends. He goes, yeah. Remember the time I ate plastic and didn't have any problems? And they're going, yeah. He said, okay. I ate rat poison. I ate a whole bag of rat poison. <laughs> I'm here to talk about it. <laughs> He's probably like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm living on the edge, man. <laughs> like, I think right, next right. Who's gonna eat a, I'm going to eat a bag of cement or something just to prove I can do it. It's <laughs> 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 this. For, oh, for what a for, bonehead. <laughs> Well, Ed Martin has a Ridgeback, for those of you who don't know. It's a big old dog, cute as a button, crazy as hell. And, uh, you know, eating rat poison kind of goes beyond the extreme. But understand, audience, Ed will not be laughing about this or be on air if it was anything serious. I want our audience to understand that, you know. Oh, yeah. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be on the show if it wasn't. That's what makes it, you know. And, right. And, and it's people that have problems, you know, that where it doesn't turn up. Yeah, this, right. this bonehead, I swear, wow. he crawled up into a truck and got it. And then he's sitting there eating it, and he, he drops the bag, and he's like, that's why he was looking at me like, that's pretty good. Where'd you go? Wow. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Threw him up in the truck and started driving. <laughs> right. Dogs, yeah. Man, dogs are great. Oh, dogs I'm are telling crazy. you, it's just, but yeah, it, it's all turned out well. He's. He's back to being his goofy old self. He's got to take some vitamin K for about a month, but you know to be sure. Right. But what a what a well, that is He's looking at me, and he's looking at me while I'm going. That's right, you're a bonehead. You just <laughs> you know, he you know, heard his name. He's like, Dad, you all the world, yeah. <laughs> Man. No, he's probably thinking, oh, you're telling everybody, cool. <laughs> That's right. Tell everybody, hey, rat yeah. poison, and let him tell about it. <laughs> you know, we do this show. I do this show from a home office, and usually, I you know, I usually leave my door open. Kind of like my dogs be able to travel in and out, and make sure everything's okay. You know, and I got four of them, and um, they used to crowd around me, man, when I was on air, and stare at me while I was on air. It's like, who are you talking to? What are you doing talking to yourself? Are you crazy? Because I use yeah. headphones, right? And they were just sitting there staring at me with the stupidest looks. I finally got yeah. to the point a couple months ago. I ended, up, I ended up starting to shut my office door 
uh, so the dogs, well, they come in here staring at me so bad. Some, some shows we're doing are real serious shows. I'll just want to laugh at some of the goofiest looks they get. So, you know, dogs, oh. dogs are funny. Brando's the man, Brando's be, he, he's, he's, he's with me right now. And, but a lot of times it'll be, it's like he's just completely content. And then all of a sudden you get on the phone and you start talking. And then he gets up to the door and right. he's just whimpering. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> really? Now? I heard him a couple. Now? Times. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. He's a big old boy, I tell you what. Um, you know, but speaking of big old boys, you know, it, it, we'll get we'll get to the shootings and stuff in a minute, but football over the weekend. I gotta tell you. Biggest difference between the Kentucky team versus the Louisville team has to be a heart and an unwillingness to give up. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yep. Louisville of course got stomped again. What was really interesting about that game was the offense actually did their job. They put up 35 points. Now, I understand, you know, Wake Forest doesn't have the greatest defense in the world, but they put up 35 points. But then the defense gave up 56. I don't think there's any way of separating anything from this team or this season whatsoever. Uh, I don't care if they went out. There's just no way to put a good spin on this team. The interesting thing is, that the U of L Athletic Association will take about it would take fourteen million to buy out Bobby Petrino, and everybody wants to talk about Jeff Brom coming here. What they don't understand is that's another five million dollars to buy out Brom's contract from Purdue. The interesting thing here is the U of L Athletic Association they don't have that kind of money anymore since they got no. caught and they had to pay off all these lawsuits. They've essentially got basically nineteen million in the bank right now, and they can't spend every dime of that getting rid of Bobby Petrino and hiring Jeff Brom. Now, what I do want to know is this. Maybe our audience can shed some light on this. There are all kinds of rumors out there that Bobby Petrino got somebody knocked up other than his wife. Um, you know, from what I understand, it may even be a cheerleader. I don't know. But if that's true, and I say if, folks, I'm not making any allegations here because I haven't been able to confirm it. But if that's true... See, Bobby Petrino does have a morals clause in his contract after everything that happened to Arkansas when he came back here. He does have a moral clause in his contract, which I believe would allow you to let Bobby Petrino go without a buyout. Now, maybe our audience knows something about that. I don't know. I just know I've been told that by many people, um, most of whom are very reliable. So I don't know why I'm really mentioning it on air. But have you heard that? And if so, uh, that would take off the hook, wouldn't it? Well, I saw somebody suggest it, but no, I haven't. I haven't heard, and I've got friends that are they're there, you know, at U of L, and no, I, I haven't heard anything that remotely, you know, that direction. Um, so no, and, and on top of that, you got Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom's not coming to U of L, not for a while. Yeah, he's he's got a good thing going at Purdue. He's not coming. I would just tell. I, I think ultimately, I think ultimately, I think he'll come. Yeah, but I think he's got two, maybe three years left at, U of, at, at Purdue. I just don't think he's coming. Uh, on top of everything else, it's just you know, if you're if you're familiar with it, it's a fantastic story. But it but it also comes into play. This uh, Tyler Strong kid that's fighting the cancer. He's a honorary team captain. I mean, Jeff Brom is a class act. He's not going to leave Purdue because there's, there's too much emotional attachment. There's too much, you know, it's too much going on. I just, I don't think 
he's he's young, and that's the other thing people have to remember. He's young. Jeff Brom knows he's in the driver's seat. He flattened Ohio State, played Michigan State pretty well, and he's taking a doormat program and building it up. But he's young. He's very young. And this is really only a second coach. This is really only a second coaching job, and he's doing a killer job at it. He, if if he was in his, if he was in his 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 late fifties or something, I'd say, yeah, he might do this shift thing, and come and and get his huge payday. But he's young, he's frugal, he's classy, and he's just not going to do it. I just I just don't see it coming. He he knows he's got half a dozen years or more. Before he, you know, before he's got to find his forever job, and I just, I just don't see it happening. It's just so. I mean, I hate to piss on people's parade. He's Trinity alum like me. I think, like I say, ultimately, I think he's coming back. I would say if U of L went and talked to him, he would just look at him and say, "Not now, no." He says, "I, I still got yeah, work I to do here. I still got, I still got things going on." You know. Best of luck to you. See, that's the thing. Free now. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. And, 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 and that's the we'll thing. Because converse, maybe we'll have this conversation three years from now or something. Well, that's it. I mean, Jeff Brom is a class act. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Jeff Brom is not motivated by money. That's another big thing. You know, Jeff Brom could, could, could get all the money in the world. He'd make plenty of money out of Purdue. But he's really not motivated by money. Jeff Brom truly loves the game of football. He truly likes what he's doing. And he really does love being at Purdue. So I would have a hard time thinking that Jeff Brom is going to leave Purdue to come here right now. I think they could open a checkbook and do anything in the world. But his loyalty is one of the greatest strengths that Jeff Brom has. So I don't see it either. So with that being the case. Yeah, I, mean, I, can, see, I can see him make the jump from Western to the Big Ten. Fair enough. You're, right. you're, you know, it's a, it's a different ball game, but no, now he's 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 in good shape. He's and, and I think he his he and his family appreciate the optics of it. Like you say, you don't you don't go have a couple good seasons, start a turnaround, and then bail for money. He I don't like say, if he was if he was in his if he was fifty seven years old, yeah, I think they'd have no trouble getting him. But what is he? He's he's early forties or something. He's got he's got twenty yeah. years of coaching ahead of him. He's he's not in any hurry, you know. And I've heard mentioned right. along the lines of Brown, I've heard you know, they say Auburn may take a run at him and it's like, Yeah, I got news for you. <laughs> right. He may right. love you as hell, but if some if a if a if a powerhouse from the SEC gets their checkbook out, you hell can't run. Not right. now. Well Brom well Brom is forty seven, so he's got plenty of time left. But um you know, it, it is an interesting scenario. Now on the flip side of that Mark Stoops at Kentucky. This is what's different about Kentucky this year. They're down. No time on the clock. Try to put the ball in the end zone. They're down 14-9. to nine. Defense makes a boneheaded play and pass interference on the last play of the game. So Kentucky gets one extra shot at the end zone, and they make it. Absolutely. And they make it. And they end up winning. That's the thing about Kentucky. They don't give up on the ball. They don't give up at all. They play from the beginning to the end. And it's incredible. Now you're looking at a Kentucky team who has not had five SEC wins since 1977. They're essentially a top ten team right now. Um, you know, what do you do with these guys? And this is a team that nobody expects anything from. And they're still getting disrespected. 
I mean, you know, let's face no, facts. They beat saying, Florida yeah. earlier in the year. You know, and Florida was ranked ahead yeah. of them until they lost. It's a damn to think. So, congrats to the Cats. Congrats to Mark Stoops. I, uh, I, I I get frustrated with the slow play of the ball with the Stoops program. I've said that many, many times. But, damn it, you just got to love this team. They've done a hell of a job all year. Yeah. And, and I think it's a testament to the team itself. You know, in the second half, they didn't give yep. up one first down. And uh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. So I mean, they're, they're, they, they believe, you know, they, they never give up. Mm-hmm. They, they play with guts the whole time. And sometimes, I, I say, most of that game, the play calling had you scratching your head like, good God, what are they doing? But, boy, they right. got it right on the last series. <laughs> I mean, it's like, right. it's like, holy crap, the last series, they actually became a passing team. What the hell's going on, you know? But, <laughs> but, but yeah, but, I mean, their defense is the real deal. And that's just, that's just, Josh Allen, is, he's got to be a top five, top ten pick in the NFL. Guy can do everything. And he does it with style, you know. It's like he's not one of these guys that it's, it's overly screaming or, making a mess of, of stuff or right. getting penalties. Josh Allen is just, right. he's everywhere. He plays, he defends receivers. He sacks past the passer. I mean, he he runs running backs down in the backfield. It's like, I just, I like watching Neil Vela for nothing else. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, we want to see Benny Snell. It's like, no, I want to watch Josh Allen. That guy is just, a, he, he's like, he's like a Lawrence Taylor. He's it's, a beast. It's phenomenal to watch him. Oh, absolutely. He's a beast. I love watching Josh Allen play. Benny Snell, Benny Snell has a moment here and there, but quite honestly, I mean, you know, yes, he's a great, he's a great running back for UK. He's going to have an NFL future. But I'm like you. Josh Allen is the show at UK. And he goes about it so damn quietly. Yep. You know, Benny Snell likes to run his mouth and act, and act like he's better than everybody else. You know, he's a very humble kid. Well, Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking Snell's, anything Snell's away from Benny. Snell's a good kid. He's, he's a high show. And he yeah. he works his ass off when he's on the field. Little guy can run, but yeah, Josh Allen's often. You know, half the time he never takes his helmet off when he's on the sidelines. He's just like he's he just you know he runs the running back down in the backfield. He doesn't get up and slap right. his chest and stuff like me me me. He just runs him down, gets right. up like yeah okay, no big deal. I do it all the time. <laughs> he's not impressed with himself, and I think that's pretty cool. But I'm looking forward to seeing Georgia game coming up, and uh, we'll see how real that defense is. Now, yeah, I got. I think Kentucky's going to beat Georgia. Georgia. The the bets are on. So, oh, I imagine. (laughs) I'm not sure Kentucky can beat Georgia, but I'd love to see how the defense stacks up against the Georgia offense, and uh, we'll see. We'll find out. You know, it's going to be a true test of Kentucky this weekend, and. Personally, I'm looking forward to the game, so we'll find out. In the meantime, we have all kinds of stuff going on, not just here locally, but across the country. We really have to start with this Kroger shooting last week. Um, We're labeling it a hate crime. Now, here's my question, Ed. For anybody in Louisville who's been living under a rock, we had a white guy go into Kroger last week, shoot a black guy in the back of the head. Then he continues shooting him. Then he walks out in the parking lot, shoots a black woman, and he finally gets caught a little bit down the road by the police. Now, I've been told that there's two. There was actually two shooter, two citizens there, 
there was a white guy inside the store, and apparently he had an exchange of words with the citizen who had their gun out. And, uh, you know, essentially it came down to, you don't shoot me, I won't kill you. White people don't shoot other white people. That makes it race. That makes it a hate crime. Then we get out in the parking lot, and from what I understand, there was an African-American gentleman out there who exchanged gunfire with this shooter. And apparently missed, obviously. So, yeah, nobody hit anything. That was weird. That's it. But here's the question, though. Because the guy, the shooter, apparently was married to a black woman. Uh, they got divorced. So a lot of people scream, well, that's not racist. Because he was actually married to a black woman. His own son says that his dad has had mental problems. His dad was um, put in central state for a while and everything else because of mental problems. Admits to being a schizo. And all these different dynamics come into play. So we have a guy who is mentally unstable anyway. Has a history of being mentally unstable from what I can gather at least back to 2002. So this has been going on for quite some time. Um, now he goes in, he intentionally targets black people, two black people, and it's a hate crime. Should this be labeled a hate crime? I'll get to my opinion on that in a minute. But if you've got a mental case like this, who actually has has a child, at least one child, you know, with an African-American woman and everything else, is he really racist or is the hate because of his mental delusions? Go ahead, Ed. Um. I, well, I mean, based on the facts, it, it, it just the actions, what he did was a hate crime. But I tend to be, you know, and, and I know a lot of people want to call it a hate crime. I don't know why people want to call it a hate crime. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a talking point to a degree. Uh, but I, I have, you know, they, they won't execute people if their IQ is too low. They, uh, you know, the insanity defense is, uh, is still used often you know if somebody is you know that's often a question in some people are they are they are they are they mentally are they mentally there enough to to actually be prosecuted or do they get institutionalized uh, and but it's strange a lot of the people who would on one hand no doubt uh, argue against capital punishment for say a retarded or a, a mentally so see, we look person, at this you know saying you can't do it and but now they're saying well there's a hate crime i know a few of them and uh, I, you know, he did what he did, uh, and he needs to serve time. But I, I question mm-hmm. in large part whether he has, whether whether you know, was he a racist? I don't know. What were the voices? You know, the voices in his head were racist. See, that's it. But are they real? Yeah, it's like is is his is the world as he saw it even real? And I, I don't know. Like I say, white guy saying the things that he did. Doing the things that he did on, uh, you know, uh, on on appearances, absolutely a hate crime. But then when you come to realize that God didn't actually have a grasp of reality, didn't even have a grasp of his own personality. You know, you you can't. I don't don't think you can call it a hate. I think I don't think you can call it a hate crime. In any institutional form, you know, this is not like he was a member of the Aryan Nation or anything or, or some organized right. group. This was just him and the voices in his head. And 
And I think the dangerous thing <clears throat> that I can say some of my liberal friends when I say, well, it's a hate crime. It's, it's flat out. It's a hate crime. Like the dangerous thing Absolutely. you get into there is you have people that are severely mentally ill like this guy. In the mm. future, is it is it any crime that they commit? Are we are you what you saying is is we're willing to throw out the uh, the mental incompetence? Uh, right. I don't know. You know, we're going to start executing mentally ill people. Is that becomes the question? Well, see, that's the thing, isn't it? Because I, you know, I have no problem with the designation of hate crime. Well. I've got a problem with the designation of hate crime in anything, because as far as I'm concerned, acts of violence aren't done out of love anyway. By definition, they would be no. hate crimes. So, so this adding new legislation to pretend like we're doing something to get rid of this stuff, to me, is just garbage. It's, it's just put a lipstick on a pig. It has no meaning. You know what I mean? So when you call something a hate crime, well, a white guy killed a black guy. It's a hate crime. But if a black guy kills a white guy, it's not a hate crime. Well, the reality is, in both situations, you didn't kill each other out of love. So by definition, it's already a violent act, which would which would imply hate, right? So I, ha- I have a real problem with the terms hate crime anyway. But in this particular case, based on existing law, I've got no problem with how they're labeling this. But see, it does create a major situation. In 2001, this, this guy's ex-wife, who is black, got an EPO against him after he threatened her and twice called her an N-word bitch, okay? The judge at that time barred him from having or buying guns for three years. Yep. So in 2004, he was allowed to have guns again. In a 2009 domestic violence case involving his dad, a judge ordered him to surrender his guns and undergo mental health treatment. But that expired after two years. So by 2013, he was able to get guns again. So you have two different situations. Now, does this mean the guns are the problem? No. It just means you gotta, you know, you got to pay attention to what's going on here. So you've got a guy who's clearly a mental case, who spent time in Central State, who has had two different violent situations. The judge is in two different situations, took his guns away for a limited time because of his violence due to mental illness. This, I think you can make a case for maybe withholding his guns. All right. I hate to say that because I'm, oh, a, I'm, a, I'm an active think, Second Amendment any, person. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt. I think I think it would have been so easy just to hang a felony on it and make gun ownership illegal. Right. Like somewhere along the way, and you know, and I understand that people need need to do, yeah, you know, lawyers need to do their jobs and stuff. But I mean, again, somewhere along the way, he should have had a felony hung on him. And at that point, owning guns is illegal. Now, granted, he he was off his meds. He, his dad said, you know, even after all that, he said he went everywhere with a gun. In this mm-hmm. case, you got the mental illness. You got the allegations, or at least you got what appearances of hate crime. But what I'm looking right. at is is why did he own a gun? I'm with you. I know where you're going with that. Why did this man have guns? Why? How was he able to buy and own guns? With his history, I mean, it's like you—you you just don't do that. It's, this guy was clearly—he was—he was a slow learner. Obviously, he had issues with his wife. He, he knew he had mental issues, but had guns. And and the question there—and I don't want to sound like the NRA—but it's like you know, enforce the laws that are there. It's—it's some people say, "Oh, we need new more gun control." Right. Why? You—you you didn't enforce it this time. Right. You, Plenty of plenty of laws and opportunities 
to protect society from this wound, and it didn't happen. He, well, see, that's it. He just walked around. With, apparently, he just walked around all the time with a gun on his hip, and nobody anywhere did anything. You know, not 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 the authorities, not the courts, mm-hmm. not the, nobody. And it's just, I, you know. So once again, well, let's pass more laws. Why? You're not going to enforce them. <laughs> Well, see, that's the thing. I mean, you know, just because you've had a mental breakdown, I don't think means that you can't have a weapon ever. All right, I, no, I, I, I've got to say that up front. You, when you get when, when you've got you a history, violent. yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, now you've got two incidents. Both of those uh, were violent incidences. I mean, the second one in two thousand and nine, he picked his mom off the ground by her neck and then hit his dad in the jaw and was threatening to shoot him. Uh, he lived with them at the time. All right, so you know now 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 you've escalated. That's the second incident. You know the judge in that in that in that particular situation has the choice. He took the guns away for two years. He could have banned him from the guns, and then he could have petitioned the court later to get those guns. You know he could have petitioned the court later to get those guns back once he got treatment, once he was okay, things like that. But I do think to some degree the judicial system may have failed in this particular situation because maybe this could have been avoided had we taken a, a strong approach to this. You know, but of course it'll be Trump's fault, everything else is. Um, you know, this is the kind of crap we well, deal with. Say, and the then courts, the lawyers and McAdams probably listening so he'll weigh in on argue everything. But anyway, <laughs> all they needed to do was hang a felony on this guy. It didn't even have to be a big one. You know, just hang a felony on it. Then well that's it. As as a then he then he can't you know, then the next time he has a gun or tries to buy a gun doesn't go through. Then he, you know, right. somebody says, "Well, he's walking around with a gun on his hip." Well, that's his right. No, it's right. not. He's a felon. Cops are going to take him down. Well, you know, but we'll see. That's it. And we, and we still don't know if his guns were legal either. Let's remember that. Go ahead. Yeah, but they they may not have been legal, but they were definitely they were no secret to anybody. So yeah, right. I mean, it's it's a it's a, a whole lot of bad, you know, and it's a, it's unfortunate on so many levels, but yeah, I look at it uh, you know, one of the levels I look at it is, is guys the law's on the books and for whatever reason the courts or somebody chose not to enforce the laws in such a way that would have made his gun ownership and gun possession illegal and right. now we've got dead people because, because of that you know, mental illness, right. it happens sometimes no explanation and it's unfortunate, and and other things it happened, but yeah, there was a there was a system wide opportunity to make gun ownership illegal for this individual, and the system failed. See that that I agree with, and and that's the thing. I, I think that there was a situation here that that could have ended differently had this had this had the system done its job. And, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing. I mean, that's the hard part of the system. You want to respect rights. But in this particular case, we had two violent incidences. Both of those involved death threats. Uh, the guns were taken away twice, once for three years, once for two years. The guy admitted that he was a schizophrenic. His ex-wife said he was paranoid. His own son said he'd been suffering from mental deficiencies for many, many years. His parents took an EPO out against him because he attacked them. I mean, you know, there's a pattern of behavior here, and that's where the system has to do its job. No, I'm not in favor of, of, of taking away somebody's gun rights, but there comes a point in time where we have to hold people accountable and make sure that to make sure we're safe. Now, the other part of this is, 
there's no way they're going after the death penalty. Because there's no way, in my opinion, they can make it stick. I mean, we already have cases all over the place where you're mentally ill. They can't give you the death penalty to a mentally ill guy. Um, now, will he yeah. serve life in prison? Probably. He'll certainly spend some time at the insane asylum. You know, whether he goes from there to the prison or not, I don't know. But uh, you know, a lot of people are screaming, death penalty, death penalty, hate crime. But that's not the reality not here. I don't think that that's even on the table. Yeah, I don't even think that's even on the table. So, you know. Nope. The problem, the, the problem I've got is they scream, if they, they scream death penalty, if they scream death penalty, uh, there'll be no no problems or even even more to beat the rap. Oh yeah, there's and not there's not a doubt just, in my mind just, if just they even try to play the death penalty argument, they're, they're, they're yeah, going to be. Yeah. Don't don't waste the taxpayers' money going for a capital case. It's the guys the guys not there. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other problem I've got with this is, of course, the race angle. Because he's a white guy and he shot a couple of black people that, you know, every, every white person is a racist. I mean, that's, that's the way that it's implied as usual. We, we've already seen this with the shooting down in, uh, I'm sorry, the bomb threats, the packages that got mailed out last week. The guy down in Florida that was accused of all of this, if you see the picture that CNN and everybody else put out there, this is a pale white, this is a pale white pasty guy, right? And that's not the real picture of this guy. This guy actually, this guy actually is dark-skinned, uh, sort of Middle Eastern-looking Indian kind of deal. And you know they're trying to project him, so so they actually literally whiten his picture so it could look like this white Republican went after all these Democrats versus letting us make up our own mind. That's the fake news part of the program. So we've got all of these things going on, and then on top of that, we've got yet another shooting. Um, in, in Pittsburgh, a uh, gunman broke into or walked into the Tree of Life Congregation at Synagogue in Pittsburgh, a Jewish synagogue, and started shooting for about 20 minutes. Uh, 18 people dead, plus a few injured. Uh, the gunfire, the, the, the guy that was shooting the gun was wounded in a, in a gunfight with police. He's going to be fine. He appeared in court today in a wheelchair. Um, you know, and this was all, this was a legitimate hate crime. An anti-Semitic hate crime. Uh, as as far as I know, there were no mental problems with this guy, other than the fact that he's just a hateful son of a bitch. Um, you know. So here we've got this, and I want people to think about this. Inside this synagogue, one of the people that died was a 97-year-old Jewish woman who survived the Holocaust, was killed inside a Jewish church right here on U.S. soil or synagogue. I mean, what does that say about where we've come to? You know, so, so we've got all these different things going on. But when we look at all of this, Ed, you know, they continue to try to sit here and scream and blame us. It's, it's the Republicans' fault. It's Whitey's fault. It's all this other stuff when it's really not. The Democrats have, have proven time and again over the last little bit that they're anti-Semitic. They don't believe in Jews. They don't believe in Israel. They're all friends with Louis Farrakhan, who is out there telling the whole world to kill all white people and kill all Jews. This is the left doing this stuff. Barack Obama, for example, we want to talk about the violence going on in this country. Everybody wants to blame Trump and rabid Republicans because the Democrats have lost their mind. But in 2008, Obama told the whole world, you know, fight with these conservatives and get in their face. 2009, I don't want to stop anger. I think people are, have a right to be angry. I'm angry. Let's push it. Then in 2010, we're going to punish our enemies, so forth and so on. 
you know, so these divisions have been spurred for the last eight years, in my opinion, going into Donald Trump by Barack Obama and the Democratic left. If you listen to this, Eric Holder is out there saying this, Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, all these other people, collateral damage, right? And we're starting to see all of this stuff. It seems to me that violence seems to be the first thing on the table um, for a lot of people. We had a shooter in Louisville with mental problems. We had a Pittsburgh situation with the synagogue. We have this guy down in Florida, um, you know, and these are just these are just examples because this is happening every day. Don't go into Chicago; you might as well just sign your death warrant. These things are happening every day. What 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 is going on? Is, is it really the, the the conservative right that's the problem here, or is this what we've been? Is this what the left has been conditioned to do for the last few years? Well. I think it's uh, I think it's society in general. I, I you know, and I'm not going to say the right or the left because they both have their bad players. They're both escalating. Uh, you know, it's, it's some so, you know, and like I say, people are like, oh, well, you know, huh? Look, the right wing guy sends bombs, the left wing guy throws Mitch McConnell. So it's like, no, that that's the problem. It's just, and this is kind of how the libertarians would look at it. It's like, can we just respect the individual rights of everybody? You know, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. What we've got here is is the political parties and the media, whether they condone violence or not, you know, or, or whether they speak out, you know, emphatically and, and unconditionally against violence or not. They huh? they they profit from it. They they benefit from it. They. You know, they, if 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 well, see, that's the thing. Is, is that, and, and that's the thing is they're they're they're, they're deliberately whether they whether they it, violence is perpetrated for or you know on their by their side or or in you know or up on the other side they're they're yeah. using it for for political gain. Guy goes in and shoots up the Holocaust. You know, shoots up the Holocaust survivor and and the synagogue. Both sides are jobs. Right. They're not. Both sides are not. They're not. They're not seeking a solution to it. They're not. They're not. You know, figuring out how to get along better. No, they're both jockeying for position. You know, and and the guy in, in Kroger knows he does what he does. You know, one side jockeying for position, calling it a hate crime, which you know is a staple of the left. And you got another side saying, "Oh, well, you know, this, this, and this." And, and, and it's like, guys, no, people are losing their lives. Let's just focus on that. And politicians, if you don't mind, just shut the fuck up. It's quit trying to make hay from it one way or the other. You know what? You got some loons on the left. They're busting stuff up. Okay, they're loons. Right. But the left, if you wouldn't mind, disavow that. And you got some loons on the right, and they're doing stuff. And it's like, can we just disavow that without the left? Coming in and trying to make points out of it. Can we dis- can can the left mm-hmm. disavow the idiots in Antifa, in Tifa, whatever they call themselves, Antifa? Can can the left do that right. without the right? Could the right just please shut up and let the let the Democrats put them in their place? You know, do a little self policing here. Stop trying to make hay out of everything that goes wrong for the other guys. And that's right. what it is. It's the media. It's it's easier than reporting. Complicated facts on pension numbers, which the media should have been doing for a decade, but they didn't. You know, it, it's easier just to, to get one side fired up. You know, it's like, oh, the Courier General is a left-leaning paper. Well, you know, they'll sell their papers to people by ginning up, you know, oh, the right-wing shit. And it's like, oh, for shit's sake, can we just work on it? You know, and that's what it is. It's 
I don't think either party's to blame except for the fact that either party clearly will try to use the misbehavior of the other side. So they does the left like it when when innocent people are killed and it looks like a hate crime? No. Right. But they don't dislike it enough not to use it for political gain. Does the right dis do they like it when Antifa tears stuff up? No, they don't like it, but they don't dislike it enough to not use it for political gain. And that makes all the difference in the world. I mean, that, that is exactly what we're talking about. Our politicians are supposed to be the so-called leaders. The media is going to twist and bend anything they can. We already know that the media twists everything around as much as they can. I mean, NBC just got caught withholding information on the, on the Kavanaugh situation. Uh, you know, and, and they can't explain it. Uh, you know, they they already had, when, when they did this 18-minute interview, for example, back during the Kavanaugh stuff, they already had the evidence that showed that Kavanaugh didn't do this. The witness had said that Michael Avenetti had made up everything in the statement that was put out there, that she had never witnessed any of this. NBC knew that, and they still played the game. Like, And, and, their, and their, their saving grace yeah. was... Well, we said it was unsubstantiated. Well, if it's unsubstantiated, unclarified, and you've got documentation that proves that this didn't happen, why did you put it on there and make it an issue? Of course they have their own agenda. Yeah. You, well, know. you know, hey, but, alien, but I, alien, abduct, alien abductions are unsubstantiated, but you're not reporting on them either, right? Well, there you go. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point, you know. So we look at all of these different things that are going on. So now we've got a synagogue shooting by someone that legitimately is a hate crime, in my opinion. You look at the Kroger shooting, you know, I'm not sure that can be defined as a hate crime because of the mental capacity. However, I will say this, you know, it does meet the definition of a hate crime. And, and I'm very, very perturbed at the fact that Greg Fisher and Mayor, Mayor Greg Fisher and Police Chief Steve Conrad are waffling on that. The J-Town Police Chief, Sam Rogers, flat out called this a hate crime that it was a racist hate crime, which was probably the right thing to say in this situation based on the available evidence, all right, uh, before we started finding out the history of this guy being mental and everything else. But Greg Fisher, Chief Conrad, refused to go down that road. They refused to call it a hate crime. And you got to give some credit to Angela Lee, who's running against Greg Fisher. She immediately went out there and said, this is a hate crime. And, you know, as much as I, as much as I, I disagree with the hate crime language, as I've already explained earlier in this program. By definition, this is a hate crime. So why not embrace the definition of law and order and do your damn job? But it's just typical to me of Greg Fisher and using Chief Conrad one way or the other. Both of these guys allowing this stuff to permeate, right? So while everybody's sitting out here waiting for actual leadership, then they're sitting out here letting the, the black people get angry at the white people, thinking all white people are racist, and the white people are getting angry. And quite frankly, you know, for the last few years, white people have been told that they're racist or bigots or homophobes or this or that. And, you know, they've been told, you know, Black Lives Matter, Louis Farrakhan, Al Sharpton, and everybody else kill whitey. You know, the fact that the white man is standing up against that now probably is long overdue. That doesn't make me a racist to say that. You can only back a dog into a corner so long before the dog finally fights back. You know, now, you don't do it through violence. All right? You do it through conversation and working through your differences. But, you know, in this particular case, once again, I think we have the absence of leadership in Greg Fisher and Steve Conrad. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, again, I think just like the media, I think a lot of politicians, if given an opportunity, 
they'll nobody likes it happening. I'm going to go that far and say, oh, they, they want this to happen. No, nobody wants anything bad like this to happen. But I think it's shameful that they use it and they'll spin it after the fact to either either the path of least resistance, where they'll, you know, this is the easy, you know, they'll take the easy way out without pissing the party off and pissing their base off, or they're there's there's some some opportunism here you know they they know that they can they can stake out a certain position that that makes their opponent you know it just sort of passive aggressively paints their opponent as actually not you know maybe actually maybe actually supporting this kind of stuff or or condoning factors that lead up to it but what like i say what we're not hearing out of the politicians is the meat and potatoes how did this guy get a gun? How did the system not not how did the system fail? Let's talk about that because you know that that reflects on everybody. I'm sorry, that reflects on Greg Fisher. It reflects on Conrad. It reflects on 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 the, the county attorney. Uh, you know, when is he around suing people for other stuff and calling people rapists and stuff? I mean, hey, Mike Conn, keep Why does this guy have a gun? Why does this guy have the right to get a gun? The judges involved, the, the, the everybody involved. It's like, let's talk about the system. Let's, but that somebody has to step up and take responsibility, and that's right. not their way. It really isn't. Right. And you know, it, it, it's you know, you talk about trying to use political advantage here too. You know, Greg Fisher after the shooting goes on TV, and I don't know if he's making up fake tears or not, but he's actually crying because. He knew Maurice Stollard, um, the 69-year-old gentleman who was basically executed. There's no other way to put it, uh, because he was the father of, of Fisher's chief equity officer, Kelly Watson. So he could have went out there, been firm, been assertive, and all this other stuff. Instead, he goes out there and then he cries because he knew this guy, poor guy, everything else, instead of being mayoral. You know, now his chief equity officer, Kelly Watson. And he can't go out there and call this a hate crime or be forceful and denounce the violence and how bad it is under his leadership. And that's exactly the case. Murders are continuing to rise under his leadership. And, you know, we're we're looking at this, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, if you knew the guy and and you're the mayor, you know, I understand it's a personal thing. But, you know, you're strong, you're assertive, you're forceful, you send the right message. But he wanted to make sure he got political points for having a heart because he actually shed a couple of tears on TV. I mean, that's the way it looked to me. Well, this I guy's mean, a stone face. He don't whether, cry. Whether, it was well, fake tears to whether, me. Yeah, and whether that's true or not, I, you know, whether it was legit, I, I didn't see that part. But but the fact is, is, is you know, he's, he says, I'm angry. I saw that. And it's like, good, you're angry. The next statement that should follow is, why did this man have a gun? What do we have to change to get people like, you know, to, to, to disarm or, or at least neutralize to some degree people like this. But it's, you know, it's not what oh. I thought. We need more gun control. No, we don't need more gun control. We need more. We need, we need to enforce the laws that we have. We need to not pussyfoot around with them. The guy has, you know, the guy has a, has a felony conviction or, you know, you got to hang felonies on people. When they have violent tendencies and, and they're unstable, I'm right. sorry. You're losing some well, rights. That's exactly it. Because it? because we can't we can't. But that's exactly it. We can't have you out this, there. Because I'm sorry, you may be stable, but 
we can't take the chance on that. It's too it's it's too risky. Right. The the cost is too high if we're wrong. Right. And you'll get along well, that's just fine right. without your guns. And you know, and you really will. You you'll get along okay without your guns. It, it, it'll be all right. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, when we look at this this whole thing in its entirety, I mean, we have laws to protect against stuff like this, but we don't enforce them. See, that's the thing. I've, that's the biggest problem I've got with, with, with the law for the most part in situations like this because it's selective enforcement. You don't have selective enforcement. So the, the law is colorblind, poor and rich blind. Everything about the law is supposed to be blind. Lady Justice is blind. All right? And yet... You know, we have selective enforcement like this. This guy clearly had mental instability going back, you know, almost 20 years. He's had his guns taken away twice for a limited time due due to crazy rants and shit and, and threatening to kill people and continued to be able to go on and get them back and do everything he wanted to do. Again, we don't know if the guns were legal. I don't know that. I, I guess we won't know that. They haven't reported on that, and I'm certainly not going to go through the trouble trying to find out. But But the reality is this was a situation that was totally avoidable. This was exactly the situation that when they wanted to push all these gun control laws and everything else that they've already pushed and already passed up to this point, uh, again, it's a failure of the system, not a failure of anything else but the system. This guy should have never been in possession of a weapon to, to do this, you know, but the law already allows for that. They just refuse to enforce it. Why is that? Hey, why, you know, it's, well, that, it's like, hey, look, if you want to do some reporting, who was the judge that Took his guns away for a couple of years, you know. Basically, set him in a corner. Who, who was the judge? Why aren't we getting that information? <laughs> you know, maybe it's right. maybe somebody that the paper endorsed or something. I don't know, but it's, you know, who? I wouldn't. I would like to know that. Who was the judge that, that took a guy knowingly mentally unstable, counting on his nets to keep him from blowing a gasket, who has threatened violence and who has perpetrated violence? What was the judge that said, oh, we'll just take, you know, you just take your guns away for a couple of years, let you cool off? Who was that judge? Absolutely. All right, there you go. Absolutely. I haven't looked it up. But, you know, it, we got to look at all of this stuff in play, and that's the big deal. And, you know, and then we've got another situation going on. We've got to switch to national for a minute. Um, we've got all these invaders coming up to the border, and we have to call them invaders at this point. Mexico offered asylum to every one of these caravan people that are coming up they offer them jobs housing food everything everything asylum can offer you the same thing the u.s would offer them in normal situations our u.s law says that you must request asylum in a country on your way here and once that country turns you down if they do then you can come on here we'll, we'll, we'll process you and work the system well every one of these son of a bitches turned down mexico's offer of asylum so I don't think there can be any doubt anymore that these this, this caravan of migrants is coming here and a peaceful thing to come to the U.S. for jobs. I think that's bullshit. They were offered asylum. They turned it down. Give Mexico some credit for that, although we do have pictures of Mexican police actually escorting these people, uh, which, which should really piss everybody off. But they did offer them asylum. They stopped the caravan, and they all said, no, we're going to the U.S. anyway. So this is nothing more than an invasion in my situation, as far as I'm concerned. Now we know that uh, President Trump has announced earlier today that he is going to send an additional 5,000 troops to the border. However, you know, a lot of people are giving me slack on there, or flack on this, but 
the reality is these troops aren't going there to do anything more than, you know, basically a backup. In other words, they're going to go there, they're going to set up tents and things like that, backup ICE. They're not there to go on the border itself and stop people from coming in. They're there as a backup to set up tents or in a support role. Um, so really, this isn't something that I think uh, is going to be very worthwhile. I think it sends the right message, but I think we need to be assertive. Now, President Trump could at the last second put together some sort of an executive order of some type uh, that's going to suspend all asylum requests coming to the U.S. from Mexico ahead of their arrival, and then the U.S. military can enforce it. Now, whether he does that or not, I don't know. But as it stands right now, this is nothing more than a support role, so it really doesn't do much at all, does it? Well, and I think a support role is what it needs to be. I mean, we don't need to we don't need to send armed troops down there to shoot, you know, what are they going to shoot up or beat up an unarmed convoy of people? Uh, I think they, they they should be in a support and uh, you know to aid control and show force, but not lethal force. That just doesn't fit. It's not what we do. And I do uh, had a discussion today with a guy who would know. Uh, about this, and it, the thing is, is as you were mentioning earlier, I don't know if you saw the discussion I had, but it, the question came up: If Mexico is offering them asylum, are are we are we at a point where if they turn it down, uh, is it I referred to it as asylum shopping? Any other individual referred to it as country shopping? He said, Yeah, he said that's actually the way the immigration law is written that there are. That, that there is a legitimate argument at that point that the Trump administration could say, you were offered asylum. We absolutely and unconditionally will not give you asylum because this is not about, you know, because at that point they could say, this is not about you being afraid in your home country because you were offered asylum and you will not receive it here because it, it it's shopping. They're they're basically shopping out. It's like okay, well, well, let's see. I've got three offers, you know, three countries, and I'll rank them in the you know descending order of who I want asylum from. It's like no, you're if right. you're truly here for your life, uh, first say stop. You get to, you take it. You know, you don't. Uh, I think I'll, no thanks. I'll hold out for something better. So they may you know. And the question this individual asked, he said, well, I wonder why, what Mexico's play is. You know. Maybe something's right. going on. They said uh, maybe somebody in the U.S. said, hey, look, you know, you want better terms on NAFTA. Uh, do us a solid on this and offer these people a solid. <laughs> you know, there could be an advanced plan on it or something. But but that is a that becomes a real sticking point for the caravan. As you've been offered asylum, and you're basically saying, no thanks, I'll hold out for something better. It's, right. That kind of blows the, that kind of that kind of blows the hatch on that as to whether whether you you even when you get to the states if you have a legitimate asylum you know if you have grounds for asylum if you haven't even offered it so we shall see you know as they say the plot thickens. Well, see, and that's and that's exactly the whole point because you know our our law says they've been offered asylum so screw you you don't get I mean th- this isn't a contract negotiation. Right. This is this isn't a job interview. All right. This is, you know, we, we want to flee political persecution. Well, we already know that's a lie. 
I mean, we've had embedded reporters, particularly with Project Veritas. I think they've done a hell of a job. Uh, but we've got embedded reporters with this caravan and everything else that are sending us reports. I mean, one guy even admitted that he was deported from here because he was accused of attempted murder, and now he's coming back. So we've got, you know, and we've got all these different MS-13 gang members and all these other band people involved in this caravan. All right, that's where this thing is growing from. So we, we know we've got all these known risks coming in. They've already been offered asylum and turned it down. Uh, the problem is their countries were taken off of the preferred status by President Trump a year ago. You know, at one point, if you were from Honduras, Guatemala, or anything else, you come on up, we go ahead and work with you, right? Uh, but the conditions had improved in their countries to the point where they were taken off of that list. So they have no political persecution rights at all right now because they're not on our list of people who are going through that. So, you know, they have zero rights whatsoever. They think they can negotiate anything they want. And we're supposed to sit here and accept that. And we know that most of the people who come across the border, once they get processed, they disappear. We never find them. Right? And, and that's where a lot yeah, of these gang problems and everything else are coming problem. from. Absolutely. We've also found at least one illegal immigrant who came across who just got caught trying to smuggle in child porn. We know about the heroin and everything else that comes through here. Um, you know, so we've got some serious security at risk at our border. Now, my my yeah. my purpose of all this really well, is thinking, you know. I, I, think, I think big picture, we do just fine generating our own child pornographers and our own drug people. But not the point. Yeah, and, I, and, I honestly, and, I, and I honestly think that that is a small, small percentage of probably the people who are coming over and seeking a better life. I mean. I would do the same thing with my family if I was doing it. I'm sympathetic to that, but as we but the said, point is, you get to, you but get the point is, the most of these people. You offered, yeah, you were offered asylum from what you say you feared, and thus far you have declined it. So at that point, you have to wonder if if you know you've got to question the reasoning, and that's I'd say that's that to me just not getting into any innuendos, any rumors, any. Hey, you know, who's coming? It's like, look, you're offered asylum to, that would have it would have gotten you away from what you say it is you're fleeing, and you turned it down. So we've got a problem going forward with that. Well, you know, I, I agree with some of that, you know, but at the end of the day, though, I mean, really for me, um, you know, if you're getting caught, you've already been deported once for attempted murder, and you're coming back through here with this caravan sneaking through. That's a problem. You're getting caught bringing illegal child porn in here. I don't care if we have enough people in America doing that shit or not. You're still committing a second illegal act, two illegal acts, and we're supposed to allow you to stay. You know, we know that this caravan is made up mostly of young military-aged men, all of whom have brand-new clothes, brand-new matching backpacks, and all this other shit. So it's a well-funded operation. And you've turned down asylum in a, in a, in a friendly country. So, you know, all of these things add up to an invasion. And I think this to, I think this is going to be one of the defining moments of Trump's presidency as far as whether we're going to get to the wall being built or whether we're going to secure our borders. Because the federal government was initially put together to secure our borders, the safety of our borders. That's their main mission in life. The rest of this crap that they do is all junk that they added through time. But securing our borders is the number one priority of the federal government. So I think we're going to see a lot here over the next few days, but get ready for it. With that being said, we're at the end of the show, Ed. Time for final thoughts. Yeah. Oh, final thoughts. Uh, you know, like I say, it gets back to the to the hatred and everything. It's like, if if anything, just 
and the same many a time is focus on your neighbors, focus on 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 your family, and just don't buy into the narrative. There's there's no reason. It's, especially as I, one of my sayings, Jen, is around, especially around work, is, is like, I don't get upset about it. It doesn't, doesn't affect my ability to pay my bills. You know, and that's the thing. It's just people, there's Democrats, there's Republicans, there's liberals, there's conservatives, there's libertarians, there's socialists. You know, they're not bad people. And, and it's, not worth, it's not worth hating the other guy for, especially Sight unseen, you know, oh, you're a goddamn Democrat. You know, you liberal, you social. No, these are good people. I know people in moveon.org, screaming liberals, good people. I can have a conversation with them, piece of cake. And I think that's what we need to do is understand that, that it's, it's, the, it's the, I don't want to call it the deep state, the deep party, the deep Republican party, the deep Democrat party, and the deep media are – they survive on keeping us divided. They, 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 they generate power. They generate fear. They generate money. I mean, let's face it. Would you give much money to the Republicans for their job that they're doing right now? No. They suck at it. They suck at it, and, they, they, and they're, hardly, they're running deficits, and they suck. So how do they get you to make a donation to a Republican? Well, you got to donate to us because the Democrats might win if you don't, you know. And and what are the Democrats saying? The Democrats haven't done dick in in a decade, you know. When they were in power, they, they nothing worked out. Obamacare didn't work out the way they said it would, lowering costs and stuff. But long as they got the Republicans to scare you with, the Democrats will donate money to the Democrat Party. So that's basically people we're being played. We're being played by the parties. They're convincing us to hate on each other. They're convincing us to fear each other. And the only way that we have any chance of, of, not, of not being victimized by the other guys is to donate money and commit your votes to, to your party. Otherwise, the other guys are just going to ruin everything for everybody. That's what's happening. And people, stop buying into that crap. There's good people all around. And let's try to realize that and just talk like adults and figure out how to fix a few problems here and there and piss on the parties. And that's my final thought. Well, and I agree with a lot of that. I, uh, you, know, you know, it's really interesting to me, though. We, we talk about how the parties are using all of this and everything else, and that's true. We know it's a unit party. We get that. But, you know, it, it seems to be prevalent that there's one party over the other who is pushing violence down everybody's throat. And I'm not talking about the people on the street who are doing the violence. I'm talking about the leadership. Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Eric Holder, you name it. They're all telling you to go beat up Republicans, get in their face. They bring a knife, you bring a gun, all this other crazy shit. that gets people fired up against each other. The ones promoting the violence, in my opinion, based on public record, is the liberal left leaders. Now, the sheep are going to follow their leaders no matter what they do. So if you're liberal leftist sheep and your leaders are telling you to go hit somebody and beat somebody up and everything else, that's what creates Antifa, Black Lives Matter. The one consistent in this who's always full of hate is the Muslims, the Nation of Islam. You look at Louis Farrakhan, who sits out there and calls Jews termites and wants them exterminated. You know, and then so you have this situation now where you go into a Jewish synagogue and you go killing fucking Jewish people. 
You look at the mentally ill people here in Louisville that go into a Kroger and shoot two people who were just there to do their grocery shopping. So the hate is very real, but we have to look at the cause of that hate. And I don't think the people have changed that much. For the record, I don't think every white person hates every black person. I don't think every black person hates every white person. I don't think every Jew hates every Christian, and I don't think Christian, every Christian hates every Jew. You will always have a small percentage of those people, and, and no matter what ethnicity, race, religion, or anything else you're in, that, that are nuts like that. All right? I get that. But what we see pounded down our throats in the mainstream media and everything else is division like I've never seen before. And then you've got people around the world, like these ones coming from Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, and everything else, who are bringing their gangs, their drugs, their rapes, everything they want to bring with them. Now, we could talk about these people are seeking asylum for a better way of life while we want to, but the majority of those people are military-aged men. When you look at the destruction and the havoc that they've caused throughout Mexico on their way here, it doesn't look like a peaceful bunch of people looking for a better way of life. You look at the police who have been beat up, bloodied, and battered. You look at the businesses that have been destroyed. Look at the trash they leave behind. These aren't people seeking asylum. These are people trying to make a statement. And they're well-organized and they're well-funded to try to make the U.S. look bad. And that's why I think Donald Trump has to secure this border. Now, as far as Lady Justice is concerned, we have plenty of laws in place for gun control. We don't need no laws, people. Quit falling for this illusion that the liberal left keeps throwing down your damn head. What you have to do is enforce what you have on the books. When that fails, if it fails, then you have to revisit it and try something new. But our knee-jerk reaction is always simple. When something happens, let's add another law that we're not going to enforce to try to make it harder for everybody when it doesn't matter. For every bad shooting out there, even in the Kroger shooting, we have two good guys with guns that confronted this shooter. Did they save lives? I don't know. Did they protect lives? I don't know. But this mental nut job sees another gun aimed at him. Maybe he decided not to shoot somebody else. You know, maybe that's what happened. I would like to think that there's good people out there that can make that happen. We have many cases around the country that never get reported of guys walking into stores, banks, anywhere you want to talk about and try to rob or shoot at people. And a good guy with a gun stops them and he saves lives. So it's not gun control that's the problem here. It's the use of the laws that we currently have in existence. But more importantly, it's the hate that continues getting crammed down our throat by leadership who is looking to get something from us. Yes, the unit party is alive and well. There's no doubt about that. When it comes to money and power, there's no doubt about that. I don't trust Republicans any more than I do Democrats. And I've said that a hundred times on this show, and I'll say it a hundred more. But at the end of the day... What message is being crammed down our throats on a daily basis? And that message of violence and division is coming from the liberal left. And that should disturb the hell out of all of us in our future. That's all I got for this week. Ed, thanks so much for joining us always. All right, sir. Yes, sir. All right, we'll see you next week. For the rest of you guys, we appreciate you being here. Next Monday night, Ed and I will get into a few of the races, I'm sure. Uh, Next Tuesday is Election Day. So we will try to get into a few races next Monday night. Hopefully there won't be nothing too crazy this week to distract us. In the meantime, I appreciate all of you guys listening to us and following us on a weekly basis. I really, really do appreciate it. So go out. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. God bless. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin.
I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. <laughs>